Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan as we bring you Talking in Circles tonight. We'll break down the weekend races, the weekday races, excuse me, from Darlington. We'll also preview next week's races. We have four races next week. We'll discuss a little bit and preview those. Uh, truck Series, it feels like they've been running forever because they haven't. Uh, Xfinity ran today. If you missed that, we'll just dive into that a little bit as well. They also run uh, on Monday. Trucks on Tuesday next week. Cup has Sunday and Wednesday next week. So uh, we'll keep your eyes peeled in the week forward. But we're going to discuss, we're going to look back here on the last two days uh, and discuss the kind of racing we saw. First of all, Wednesday night, Toyota 500-kilometer race. Uh, it ended with Denny Hamlin and victory lane after only 208 laps. Um, about 20 laps to go. And, and really, uh, Philip, we'll get your opinion on it first, and we'll go to Spencer. But it was a uh, a race that, to me, um, was interesting from the fact that, you know, there was a lot of cautions, and we didn't really see a lot of, of long green flag runs here at Darlington. And when we finally did, we started to see some comers and goers. When we got, you know, 40, 50 laps on the tires, or, you know, 30, 40 laps into a run, and you started to see people go away. Um, but really what everybody's going to remember from this race was the fact what, what is what happened there with uh, Chase Elliott and um, Kyle Busch there Albert. on on lap 208, on lap 202, excuse me, when Kyle Busch tried to, uh, he says, tries to close into a hole between Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick. Uh, Elliott was running in the second spot trying to chase down Busch's teammate, Denny Hamlin, who was on older tires. And just misjudged it. You know, came up the racetrack, connected with the number nine car. Um, Kyle Busch's right rear fender went into Chase Elliott's left rear fender. Uh, Kyle Busch's right front fender, excuse me, connected with Chase Elliott's left rear fender. Sent Elliott into the inside wall, slammed the inside wall hard. Chase gets out of the car, uh, waits for Kyle Busch on the racetrack, flips, gives him the old uh, one-finger salute, and then uh, the race ends under rain with Denny Hamlin and Victory Lane. Um, going to eventually going to victory lane there. Um, really, what, what was your thoughts on that last accident, Philip? I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I first initially saw it, I thought Kyle Busch um, certainly, for whatever reason, now you know, there's still people who might argue this, and they could be right. But you know, I thought for whatever reason Kyle had it out for Chase Elliott or something, and maybe it was the fact that there was a Hendrick driver, uh, Hendrick lover in the booth and, and, you know, kind of put that thought in our brain. But uh, I thought initially that's what happened. Then I woke up this morning, kind of watched the replays again, saw a couple of different angles, went, ooh, you know what? It makes sense. And, and Spencer Cowan, who's, who's going to talk here in a minute, also brought up a good point about how bad the low line was all race long. I mean, even when we got, you know, not just on a restart, even when he got three or four laps into a run, five, ten laps into a run, the low lane was just nowhere to be found, and that was a big problem, I think, in that race. And I think Kyle was, knew that and said, i got to get and keep my momentum up and, and get into the high lane. And, and um, you know, with Harvick running in fourth there, you know, Harvick's not going to give anybody an inch there, especially with, you know, 20 laps to go. So he had to do it. What were your thoughts on uh, on the whole Kyle Busch-Chase Elliott accident situation? Yeah, I mean, the what Kyle did there, I mean, he said he, he wasn't intentional and he wouldn't go out to go and turn. 
Clyde. And the the fact is, Denny Amlin had old tires. He had run out of tires because of all those cautions that you had mentioned earlier, Clayton. So he had no. He was on old tires. Kyle Busch was basically similar to what he did last year in the Daytona 500, in a sense, not intentionally by any means. Kind of blocking. Chase Elliott had a run. Kevin Harvick had a run. Chase Elliott was going high, wide, and handsome, and he was going to go past them, and it was going to be over. Uh, and, you know, I mean, he flat hooked them. It, 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 it looks, I mean, I, I posted, I don't know if I posted with you or I don't know, somewhere else, where it looked like Santino Ferrucci's, you know, eye racing thing where he just flat hooked them. But the, it wasn't with intent like Santino Ferrucci. It was just a very poor judgment. Um, granted, when you consider the histories of Hamlin and Bush over the years on both ends of it in terms of wrecking people and then also getting hurt because of accidents, the, the checkered pass. Uh, and Kyle Bush wasn't a factor most of the day. Uh, he used the, the caution there late to get back on the lead lap. So he wasn't a fast car. He wasn't a factor most of the day. He was up front, but he was way slower than everyone behind him, and Hamlin had old tires. So, for whatever reason, he decided to make that move, and he put Elliott in the wall. Not only did he put Elliott in the wall, Elliott went from a chance to win the race to next left. I mean, that's that's really bad. You wrecked a really good race car there for the 19. They had a good, they had a great car. Um, unlike Sunday. They had a really fast car uh, last night, and I, I mean, it's what hey, it's Kyle. I mean, it's whatever. Hey, you can get mad about it, but it's Kyle. I, I right. don't, I don't, I don't go and subscribe to certain things about how they promote him. Um, I don't listen to Jeff Gordon announcing because he's bad at it. Um, he's not as bad as Daryl Walter became, but he's getting there. Um, but Kyle Busch has the habits and, and things where he has multiple personalities, which is part of the reason why he's employed at Bill Gibbs. And for whatever reason, he decided to go and turn him. I don't know why he said He turned him. He can yeah. say it's a mistake. Yeah. But for somebody of his ilk, a guy who's won 8 trillion races, because everyone needs to know how many races he's won, <laughs> you'd think that he'd know not to clear himself right into the left rear corner of somebody unless he's either he's blind or they're just sheer ignorance. I, I don't know. It, to me, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It looked horrible. It was a bad move. He tried to play it off with Matt Yoakum. Matt Yoakum didn't accept it, and he sat there, and he got a good quote out of him. So, whatever. Kyle yeah. Bush is going to get it back later this year. Hopefully, Clyde holds off till the playoff and sends them into the fence at some point then and when it counts. Well, that's the thing here with Chase. And, and you know, it's funny when you think about uh, – and, and, you know, I know we're, we're previewing – we're reviewing the race uh, last night, but, you know, a lot of it's with this Chase Elliott accident. But, you know, that's the thing with Chase Elliott when you think about him. You know, now Denny Hamlin kind of pushed about Martinsville a few years back. He's had a couple of run-ins recently – in the last couple of years, and it's almost looking like Joey Logano did. Remember when Logano got into it with Harvick? Yeah. He got into it a little bit mm-hmm. with, with Tony Stewart. Uh, and it's like Bill Elliott always said when the passing of grass happened in 87 with Dale Earnhardt. 
you know, Earnhardt drove them very, very aggressive. There's no question about it. They slammed doors. But Bill Elliott said, listen, when I changed my tires and went out there and sideswiped them on the cool-down lap, Dale got the message. There was no question that messing with Bill Elliott was no longer tolerated. And I think his son is going to have to start to do the same thing. Because you don't want to be the guy where these veteran drivers sit there and say, oh, we can lean on this kid, we can bust his chops a little bit. You don't want to get into that situation. Logano got to that situation and let it linger a little bit, and it got ugly before it got a lot better. We all remember what happened with Logano. Uh, and, and, and Brad Keselowski was sort of the same way. Keselowski ruffled some feathers early on in his career, had some veterans rough him up a little bit. He was able to to sort of negate that and swim through it. So I think Chase Elliott's sort of in that boat right now. And who knows? He'll get an opportunity. There's no question. But, you know, maybe he doesn't have to wreck him. But just make Cobbush his life a living hell when he has to run him hard. And just to say, hey, you know what, even if you didn't mean to do that, stupid. It was unnecessary. It was uncalled for. But I agree with you, Philip. That's what I'm having my having a hard time wrapping my head around with this accident is we're, talk, we're not talking about just you know an average race car driver. We're talking about a top three talent in the Cup Series, period. And the fact that he went and did that, it's, you never see Cobbush make those mistakes like that. And especially on a straightaway, you can understand it in a corner like we saw with Jimmy Johnson uh, on Sunday where, you know, the closing rate and, and the different handling characteristics come into it to a, to a car in a corner and, and, you know, where the, their breaking points might be in different spots. So, you know, it, it's just a little bit different in a corner where on a straightaway, Chase was, was in the throttle and he never let off. It's not, you know, I even checked. It was like maybe he let off a little bit earlier, but the contact was made at the start finish line. So he would have had to let way off. So, that's what I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around here, and that's why I think you know a lot of people today are, are, are talking about maybe this was intentional, uh, and, and Kyle is sort of trying to play it off like it wasn't. Spencer Cowan, I want to get your opinion on this. What were your thoughts? I mean, there's no question that uh, you brought it up earlier. The bottom lane was a, a, a big problem last night at, at Darlington. There's no question about that. Do you think Kyle was trying to blend into the top lane and did it too quickly? Or do you think there was a little bit more behind it? What are your thoughts? No, um, yeah, I don't really see it being intentional, quite honestly. You know, there was no run-in um, between them two during that race, and I can't remember the last time, you know, they've had problems on the racetrack. And Kyle admitted that they don't, you know, they're not friends, but, you know, they they don't hate each other. Um, like I mentioned, that bottom line was so junk. I mean, you had to – I mean, he was going to lose. If he wouldn't have gotten to the top lane, his race was over. Well, maybe not over, but he would have lost a few spots. Um, and as fast as Chase was, it would have been hard to pass Chase back for the win. So I think he just was looking in his rear view, making sure and Harvick was going to let him in line. As you mentioned, Harvick's not going to let off and let you in line because if you let Kyle Busch in front of you, well, you're going to have a hell of a time passing him. I got news for you. The guy has 200 wins. He's a two-time champion for a reason. So I think he was just looking in his rear view mirror quickly got up thinking chase was so fast that he was able that chase was going to get out ahead of him and he just nicked him um you know kyle really isn't uh you know he really doesn't apologize a lot um if he wrecks somebody unintentional if you wreck somebody intentional he's going to tell you you deserve it um and he that's just the kind of guy he is um and he you know he put on twitter he was sorry you know his interviews you know he didn't seem like you know he actually sounded sorry so um, I think it was just a racing incident. I mean, this is happening so fast. Um, you know, 100, 
165, 170 down that front straightaway, whatever they're doing now. Um, it happens fast, and you take your eyes off, and, you know, you turn in the wrong way, and, you know, you're going to turn somebody. So, unfortunately, it ruined a fast Chevy Camaro for the Hendrick Motorsports guys, and, um, you know, they had a good finish on Sunday and another good finish last night. So, I mean, I want to touch on what you said about Chase sticking up to him. So, he has to. You know, it's like a bully at school. You know, he's going to keep picking on you until you stand up and say, no, I'm tired of you. And he puts his foot down, and then the bully goes, oh, wow, well, I can't get over on him no more. And, you know, you got mm-hmm. Harvick and Bush, these young guys, they're going to push you out the way, and they're like, oh, he's not going to do anything. I can keep doing it. No, Chase needs to start. You know, we got Denny Hamlin back at Phoenix, and that's what you have to do. You have to let these guys know, hey, I mean business. I'm out here to, you know, win races and run with the big guys. And – you know, unfortunately, he wasn't able to retaliate because his car was totaled and it ended his night. But uh, I think Chase, even intentional or not, in Chase's mind, he got wrecked and possibly, you know, he was possibly going to win that race. So I think Chase should retaliate, and I would do the same thing. You wreck me, you ruin my race, I'm going to wreck you and ruin one of your races. And he needs to do it at the right time. Um, so I don't think it was intentional, but he still, he needs to let, you know, he has to say, hey, no, I'm going to get you back. Yeah, and I want to get your opinion on something here, so just hang tight for a second. I know uh, I just, why I try and wrap this up, but I wonder if if the reputation of his dad or uh, you know his reputation and his dad's reputation sort of they're sort of the same uh, mentality. They're sort of the same personality as far as you know um, they're very calm. They're very business like. You know, Bill Elliott, when you bothered Bill Elliott at a racetrack, you know, he was a different guy than when you bothered him outside a racetrack because Bill was there to to do business. He admits that. And, um, you know, maybe at the end of his career, he was a little bit more forgiving that for that nature. But certainly in the early part of his career, he was all business. And Chase Elliott's sort of that way now. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen some Chase get a little bit, you know, edgy here. And he needs to, to start, I think certainly start to prove, show that in his driving as well. Not, maybe not even wreck him, but just, you know, hey, when you give Kyle, break, Kyle Busch a break coming off a of turn four or let him early in a race come in come into a, a spot that maybe you wouldn't let him go in later in a race, don't let him get that spot. Save him make his life a little bit hectic, a little bit bigger of a hell here because of what he did. Again, I, I mentioned this a lot here on Talking in Circles, and this is something that I, I love having Spencer and Phillip on because they're sort of two old, old school mentality with Phillip and a newer school uh, with Spencer, um, so let's and, and I don't want to dive too deep into this, but I just kind of want to get the temperature of both of you guys on this about the Chase Elliott one finger salute. Now, I, when I initially saw it, what I thought was maybe the sponsors might not like that, but you know a lot of people on social media uh, and maybe some of the older crowd sat there and said, "Ooh, I don't I don't like that a NASCAR drivers can flip the bird." To another guy. Now, there's also a crowd that will sit there and go, well, at least he didn't take his car and, and you know, run, run, uh, go back on the racetrack and, and completely take out Kyle Busch like we saw Matt Kenseth do with Joey Logano years ago. Where did you stand on that one finger salute, Spencer? Do you think it's a big deal at all? What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Clayton. I thought it was pretty funny and I laughed. Um, and yes, I, you know, people are going to say there's kids watching, but. You know, I'm sure these kids, I mean, yeah, it's not really good, but Chase doesn't Chase doesn't know that the camera is going to be on him. Yes, he probably has a good idea that the camera is going to be on him. But in the moment, you're not thinking about that. He just got wrecked. 
took him out on the chance to win it, and he wants to give Kyle Busch a message. Yeah, Kyle Busch said he didn't see it, so he did it for nothing. But in Chase's mind, he did what he had to do, and he wanted to let him know that he wasn't happy. And so I don't really see it as a big deal. I mean, um, you know, you I, I've watched NASCAR ever since I was little, and you guys consider me as a newer fan compared to you guys, but I got an old soul. You know, I – you know, I don't really like the way the sports, you know, the changes they're doing. So I'm, I'm old school. I like it like that. And um, I don't really see a problem with the middle finger. Yeah, you know, people, it's not good for kids. But you know what? Those kids are going to see that stuff when they grow up. Um, and honestly, for a kid that has any, that's watching, he's probably old enough to know that, hey, you shouldn't do that. Um, so I know, I, I, honestly thought it was funny i laughed and my buddy's a big chase fan i facetimed him after and we were laughing about it so i mean now there's t-shirts being made about it so yeah, i mean yeah. it's, it's it's fun i mean it it was i laughed i mean i thought it was i mean chase had to let him know um so yeah i don't really see a problem with it and that's what i think is the passion that, that some of these guys show when that stuff happens you know that that's what you love to see i always said sometimes with some of the drivers i've ridden for in the past it almost felt like i was more angry about something than they were. And when your driver gets out of a race car, sure, you sit there and you go, uh, you know, I'm sure they're frustrated, but you'd like to show that they're frustrated a little bit because you sit there and go, as a fan, I, you know, I'm, I'm running second, I'm going to go for a win. All of a sudden, you know, 10 seconds later, I'm in the inside wall, I'm frustrated. So I want to see that passion. How about you, Philip? Again, I know we come from an old school, you know, a little bit more as far as racing is concerned, the old school mentality. And a lot of people were sort of sitting there kind of going, ooh. You know, his dad wouldn't have done that, but it's different times now, first of all. You know, maybe in the yeah. 90s and the 80s, uh, it was it's a little bit more frowned upon than it is now here in 2020. Uh, what were your thoughts on the, on the whole bird situation? Did you think it was a big deal? No, I loved it. It was great. Uh, you know, Clyde is considered, many people love him. He's the most popular driver by default for whatever reason. Um, when guys like Ryan Blaney and there's other people in the sport that are probably a little more interesting and have bigger personalities and are probably, you know, more theoretically fan-friendly. I like that. I personally wanted him to go and throw his helmet at Kyle Busch, uh, but, of course, you have to race on Sunday. You don't want to mess with the helmet. It's an expensive piece of, you know, uh, kit for them. and. But I, that personally, to me, is a, a, a chicken crap move. And I wanted him to throw his helmet or throw something. It kind of reminded me of like when Ward Burton at Bristol with Dale Jr. and he wanted to shoot him with a shot. He wanted to shoot like a <laughs> shotgun through the window. And that was window, yeah. Yeah, because it's Ward Burton and him saying anything is just funny. And he was mad. and. That's kind of what I thought with Chase, and I was hoping he would have went like Dale Jarrett at Bristol in '93 and Tony Stewart a few years ago and just threw a helmet. But um, to me, it's fine. I mean, great. He, he flipped the finger. Oh, man, the most popular driver. Oh, the trinket, the lead trinket seller in the whole sport went and showed some personality. That for a sport yeah. that's devoid of personality, and as Spencer talked about, the way the sport is going is devoid of a lot of character. Um, I think it's it to me the way that it's a way that what you talked about, about Bill, uh, Austin Bill, he went and sideswiped Earnhardt. He said, I'm not going to take it anymore. 
and good old Dale from Kannapolis didn't really mess with, with Elliott after that, as you said. So I think mm-hmm. right now, Kyle Busch knows one is coming to him. He doesn't know when it's coming to him, and that's good for, for Chase. And I think he's yeah. going to end up having to send a message to both Denny and Kyle because they have this habit of doing it. They've been doing this for years. They think like they're really tough, but they really aren't. Um, and even when they've gotten hurt because of their stupidity and ignorance and driving and being the way they are, they still act that way. So, and I and I appreciate Clyde being that mad. I appreciate Alan Gustafson sitting there and wanting to go and and have a conversation with Kyle and confront him because Kyle, nobody holds people don't hold him and some of these other drivers accountable for the nonsense they do. And then fundamentally, it's BS. Uh, they they held they they threw basically ended Matt Kenseth's career. I mean, he kind of deserved it with the kind of move he made. But it's like Matt Kenseth's career was ended because of making a move that he did to wreck Joey Logano. Other people have done right. those kind of moves. Oh, it's okay. It's whatever. It's consistently inconsistent. It's because it sells things. It goes and they can make videos. It's the way that NASCAR is making videos of Ryan Newman flipping over because he's alive. That's, I mean, it's pathetic. But it's their deal, right. you know. Like that's how that is. Yeah, and I think ultimately what you said, and, and this is where you know I kind of wrap this up before we go into the real analysis of the race. Personality, I, I think that's what you ultimately look at. It. Everybody says these drivers are too vanilla. Jimmy Johnson never gets the credit he deserves, and, and everybody says he's too vanilla, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, a driver shows personality. We can't complain about it when you want to see it. You sit there, and I want to see these guys, you know. Why can't we? Why can't Rusty? You know, why can't we see Rusty like Earnhardt? Rusty moment where Rusty throws a water bottle at Dale Earnhardt anymore? You know, well, you just kind of got that moment where you saw somebody a little angry when they got out of a race car. It was refreshing to see, you know. So it's nice to see a little personality for sure. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That's the number to call here tonight. And talking in circles. You want to join the show? Uh, talking about anything about Darlington, we're going to dive into the Xfinity race a little bit later as well, which ended up with a great race, a great finish, and a great win for Chase Biscoe. We'll dive into that a little bit later. But I want to talk more about the Cup race. Uh, if you missed, you know, you missed it last night. Denny Hamlin was your winner. Kyle Busch finished second. Kevin Harvick finished third. Brad Keselowski was fourth, and Eric Jones fifth. Then it was Joey Logano, Eric Amarola, Jimmy Johnson, Matt DiBenedetto, and Mark Trix Jr. and you know, a couple of things to take from the top ten here, guys, and I'll start with you, Philip. Uh, one thing we discussed a little bit was that we didn't really see the Toyotas show up uh, in the first part of the race on Sunday, and here they go now, and it wasn't a great run. It wasn't a classic, you know, they went out and dominated run for the Toyotas. Hamlin wins. Kyle Busch finishes second. Uh, Eric Jones was fifth. Uh, Mark Trex Jr. was tenth, and Chris Rebell was eleventh. So they had all five of their main cars in the top 11. Uh, that's a solid day for Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, and another team that we talked about that really needed a rebound, I know Blaney had big issues. Uh, Ryan Blaney ended up 21st uh, on the night. But, you know, Penske really struggled on Sunday at Darlington. Now, I know they went and brought different race cars in, and, and they weren't great either. Kozlowski finished fourth, yeah. Logano sixth, and Di Benedetto ninth, if you want to include him in that category, Team Penske. Uh, they performed pretty well. So two teams that, you know, not that Toyota was bad, they just weren't themselves on Sunday. They they showed up and, and did very well, and I think Team Penske had a nice rebound day on Wednesday as well. 
Yeah, absolutely, Glenn. I, I agree. I mean, we talked about it and on, on whatever, Monday, in terms of what to look at for this race. And for Gibbs, I mean, when you look at the results in terms of what they did earlier in the race, I mean, Truex was there. He moved up. His car was good all day. Uh, Denny laid in the weeds a bit. And then Jones got a top five in the second stage. But other than that, I mean, really, the Toyotas are still kind of not there. The strategy and all the yellows late and all the craziness kind of worked in their favor where five of the top 11 are Toyotas. Uh, that's that's good for them, of course, in the Toyota race. Uh, but it wasn't as convincing. Uh, if there was going to be a Toyota that was going to win the race, it was probably should have been Truex because he probably had the best car of those of that group. But they're all there, which is kind of part and parcel for where we've been for the last five years, basically, with with all the different rules changes that they've done which in large part have benefited Toyota. Uh, The Penske guys, Brad and his crew chief, they decided to stay out for a long time. And literally, if that caution comes out, the one, the next last caution comes out two laps earlier, he has, he has Chase Elliott lap. He has Denny Hamlin lap. And it, it might look a little different the result might look a little different because it was literally Brad was on the lead lap and Brennan Poole um, for what in the in the Jay Robinson Rick Ware uh, abyss and 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 that was it. I, I don't know who else was. I I can't remember off the top who else was on the lap at that point doing that green flag schedule because good old Larry McReynolds went with his ah they got a split I can't do action but split the the stage in half and go and fit and all this crap like you said on Sunday nobody did it this time they did even with weather but I mean Logano was up there he got stage points he had a didn't have a great day on Sunday but he had a good solid points day on uh, on yesterday. And Keselowski didn't have the best car by any means. He was leading because of strategy. It worked out in a sense. Cautions landed the right way. If he had had, if he'd been able to run this race out, I think he would have had a real shot to win, which mm-hmm. is probably the first time all year that I can say that. Um, it was nice to actually see him up front because uh, it's, the 12 and the 22 has definitely been up front this year. Even Di Benedetto has been running into whatever he is. You know, the two cars been that one throwaway. So, the I mean, yeah, Blaney's, Blaney's inconsistent. That's been his entire career. So, he, he yep. it's kind of what you take. But those two teams standing out is, is what you usually expect. I would also look at, and I'm sure you're probably going to mention, the guy who won the first two stages of this race and that team mm-hmm. uh, and what they did because they also stood out uh, compared to what they were doing on Sunday. For sure. Yeah, Stuart Haas in a whole, uh, even uh, customer before he had his issues 
ran really good as well. I'm a roll was up to the top ten all day. Of course, Harvick, he's good no matter what. And and Boyer won the first two stages. So Stuart Haas was good. They didn't end up very good, and we'll discuss that a little bit. But how about you, Spencer? Anybody that stands out in the top ten? Jimmy Johnson was up there in eighth. You know, Jimmy. I think a lot of people sort of had their eyes on him in the outline from Chevrolet. You know, considering that he was going to win stage one on Sunday and before he he, tur- he crashed. Um, and I think a lot of people thought, well, Jimmy Johnson, you know, that he's not going to, you know, he's not going to crash this week. But he he didn't get any stage points. He was sort of just there on 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 Wednesday night. So it wasn't a great day for him. Uh, somebody that stands out in the top ten, Christopher Bell, sort of got an eleventh place run, but he wasn't up there either. Um, you know. Alex Bowman had a good start to the race, ended up uh, in 18th. What were your thoughts on anybody there in the top ten, anybody that really stood out to you uh, that had a nice day that maybe didn't finish well or, or somebody who really stood out to you in the top ten? What are your thoughts? First, I just I want to touch on how strong Hendrick Motorsports have been. Um, you know, Chase had a fast car. Bowman had a really fast car. Um, you know, Johnson was close to winning a stage on uh, Sunday, so – those Chevys and that Hendrick uh, camp has found something. Um, you know, Kurt was really off, uh, and you know Matt, he was man. He's he did okay on Sunday. He's he was man uh, last night. So, but that the Hendrick camp has really shocked me. Um, you know, we had talked about for you know several you know last couple of years. You know that they just haven't had speed. Um, and, you know, the only guy that was running over there was Elliot. But they've found something, and if they can keep that up, you know, they're going to continue. You know, we're going to continue to see those cars up there. And, you know, Bowman had another good car last night. You know, uh, he just had some issues. Um, but, no, nothing not nothing too spectacular. You know, a decent run by Matt uh, in the 21. You know, um, you know, that's good for that team, and you'd like to see that 21. You know, it's so iconic to run in the top 10. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's – you know, and – Let's put it this way: He's, you know, Bell hasn't ran as good as him in the uh, 95 car. I, you know, I think Matty's done better in the 95 car last year, and you know, Matt moved to the 21 and you know, clicking off top 10. So, um, you know, the kid can drive, and he's got a good, he's got a good piece and Ford and Motocraft and Quick Lane and the Wood Brothers behind him, and um, another good solid run for him. Yeah, for sure. And and then there were some guys who struggled. On, on Wednesday, who might have even had a good run on Sunday. For example, you know, one guy that sticks out to me was Tyler Reddick. You know, I had Reddick sitting there going, oh, he's going to come out. You know, he's got track position. He, you know, on Sunday, he started 27th. And Wednesday, he starts 14th. You're like, okay, well, he's got, you know, he's got to make up half the field. Even if, you know, by lap 15, he could be in the top 10. Who knows? He might be able to get a top five out of it. They were They were not very good. And I know he ended up 13th, but that's probably where he was the highest all night was right there at 13th and a little disappointing there. Kurt Busch, no question about it as well. You know, Spencer touched on a little bit. He was eh. I thought Kurt Busch was awful. There was times where he was going to be lapped uh, at the end of stages. So it, it was a bad night for him as well. Matt Kenseth, you can throw in there too. Matt started 11th, but he didn't have a great day. He was a tough, maybe a barely a top 20 car before he had his issues. He ended up finishing in the 30th position um, anybody really stick out to you, Spencer? Uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, let's go, Spencer Cowan. Um, that you know, you mentioned Kurt Busch. How about Clint Boyer? I mean, here's a guy who um, has to start closing the deal here eventually. I mean, it seems like he always has a pretty good stage first two, two stages where he's in the top ten. Last night he won both of them. 
and either he bounces it off the wall like he did last night, or the car just goes away in the final stage, you know, and they changed the crew chief on that car this year, so they, and that's no longer an excuse. Well, the crew chief's not there. Listen, they made a change. Johnny Klossmeyer is now his crew chief, and Mike Bukaravich has moved to Eric Amaroa. So that's no longer an excuse. What is it that you think with Clint Boris for whatever reason or whether it's luck? It just seems like he can't close the deal right now in that 14 car. It's been in the last couple of years, and it happened again here on, on Wednesday. What were your thoughts on, on that whole deal? Yet? I mean, he led one both stages – Ended up twenty second. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's that's got to stop. Um, you know, you're not going to win races that way, and you're not going to win a championship that way. Um, he's energetic. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from the guy. I think he's funny. Um, he's good for TV, and that's where he's going to find himself at next year. Um, but in all, you know, just because you know it's probably his last year, his sponsors are still paying money. Want to be in Victory Lane? You know, they've got to clean that up. Um, yeah, I know the crew chief ain't in the car driving it. I know his tire guy ain't in the car driving it. Clint's driving the race car. Um, and he, he had a fast car. I mean, his, he, you know, he had a really good car. There's been races where he's had a good car and they just can't seem to, um, close the deal there at the end. And you, you got to clean up the mistakes. This you're in the top series of motorsports. Um, you know, you're with the big dogs and Clint's been around for a while. He knows what he's doing. Um, but you got to clean that up. You know, there's, there, there's no room for mistakes when you get into the cup series or the Xfinity series, because the guys are going to pounce all over you. So, um, you know, I get, if you blow a tire and the turn, you hit the wall, it's not your fault, but, uh, or anything that goes wrong with car, it's not your fault, but you just got to be cleaner. If you, I mean, he had a good car and he could have won. So, um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, I think it's last year, anyways. But it'd be nice for him to go out with a couple wins, and um, yeah, you gotta you gotta stop that in order to do that. So, yeah, especially when you see what happened today in the Xfinity series with Chase Briscoe, and he drives a Stewart Haas car. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, how about you, Philip? Anybody else that really stood out to you on Wednesday that maybe performed well on Sunday or struggled that you were kind of surprised to see? I mean, uh, there's a guy, Chris Busher, there who on both days on on Sunday and Wednesday was, was just god awful. I mean, his crew chief yesterday made an absolutely asinine decision, which I won't even get into. Um, but what, anybody else to stand out to you, Philip Matthew? Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say Blaney. Uh, the the fact that he was he did get a top five in stage one. He had a nice starting position. I agree with what Spencer was talking about. You both talked about with Boyer. We talked about it offline about Boyer. But for Blaney, this is a transitional year. And granted, he just signed an extension. So he's kind of protected. It's the same thing with Alex Bowman. He's all motivated and feeling great about himself. And, and he has a and he has a one-year extension. But at the end of the day, both him and Will Byron are still racing for a ride past 21 in a very in a very fluid uh, time for sponsorships and everything for a team that's in transition, obviously, at Hendrick Motorsports. For Blaney, he knows he's going to be at Pensy. Uh, but you would think that they would show up, Todd Gordon, that team would show up and do better. Yeah, Blaney also is to blame. He probably made mistakes and errors that he really can't be making. 
And that's the thing where when you consider things like him and Cotton and Chase Elliott are always going to be compared together because they came in together as rookies, uh, being an elite status in terms of the team they run for. When for, for Ryan Blaney, he has to start taking steps forward because I – there's, I mean, I would say it's not just what you said, Clayton, months ago, other people are on it in terms of what's going to happen with the two car. Blaney has to take a step forward. And it's weeks like this because you have two races in like four days and you don't really come away with a whole heck of a lot. He's not going to compete for championships racing like this. You have to be able to take make chicken salad out of you know what and get a top 10 top 15 finish you know just at least maintain points you know because you got the the ryan newmans of the world that are always going to run top 15 and they're going to get points you're going to have you're going to have some other guys randomly stand up there you're going to have a chris bell who had his best finish in a cup car uh you know yesterday you're going to have people who are going to take away points, and you're going to need those points later on in the season. You know, you're going to need the stage points. You're going to need mm-hmm. points in the end. Because if you're running 21st in the stakes at this point, this early in the season, that six races in, aren't theoretically that high, you need to be showing up. Because the next time they go to Darlington, that race matters. So the fact that they were so bad, both races – is kind of concerned. Yeah, it is. And especially, again, we, you know, I talk about Boyer making a crew chief change. That excuse is no longer there for Ryan Blaney as well, where you say, well, you know, then maybe they need to make a crew chief change over there. That's no longer the case. You know, he's got a really good one there. 917-889-8282. That's the number to call. Lee Virginia joins us tonight. Uh, Lee, hello, Lee. What do you want to talk about tonight? Hey, guys. Uh, just recapping everything, Darlington, uh, you know, I thought awesome win today from Chase Briscoe. He, uh, you know, with the emotion of losing his kid, this, losing his baby this week, and all of that went into it, I was kind of rooting for him anyway. And uh, for him to hold off a hard-charging Kyle Bush there, uh, couldn't get a better storybook ending, in my opinion, than what we got today from Chase Briscoe's win in Darlington. For sure, and that's where we're going to go next, Uh do you have anything you want to add about the cup race and what you saw that, that maybe we didn't mention or, or something that really stood out to you? Well, I'll tell you, yesterday, uh, you know, I know Kyle Busch, um, I feel like he intentionally hooked Chase. I, I said it in the beginning, and I said it last night watching it. The first time I watched it, I said it a couple after two or three replays. I slept on it, woke up this morning and looked at it again and was really aggravated by what I saw in the sense of, he said he was trying to get in line, and he did. But the moment he hit Chase Elliott's car, he continued to go right. He did not try and go left. He did not say, oh, crap, I hit him and move, move left or swerve or stay, you know, kind of stay in a straight line. He stayed right, and he hooked him. And to me, that was about as intentional as it gets, and NASCAR should have parked him. Uh, I thought that was an awful move from Kyle Busch last night. Interesting, you know, and we have seen them go out and uh, park people in the past for rough driving or at least give them a penalty for rough driving. I mean, I guess they didn't think um, that instant 
was a big deal. And just real quick before I let you go, Lee, what did you think about the the whole flipping the bird thing? I know there was some – I don't know if it was a ton, but there was some kind of, of you know, well, he probably shouldn't be doing that. You know, and Napa's been a, sp- as a sponsor that, you know, likes a, a guy who's very, very clean image. Did you have any issue with Chase Elliott flipping the bird, or, or what are your thoughts? <laughs> Not at all. Listen, <laughs> if Napa has a problem with it, they need to go back to the guy they had before Chase Elliott and realize all the things that went down with that guy. Uh we, we had about three or four sure. different things that went down with Michael Waltrip, and it, you know this doesn't even come near what went down with Michael Waltrip. For one, number two, uh, you listen, we're in a stage in this life now where I want you know these these poor guys get chastised for everything that they do. Chase Elliott's been a kind of a mute kind of been called milk toast. You know Ryan Blaney, the same thing. He finally gets out of the car last night and shows some frustration, and now we're giving him a hard time about it. I'm okay with it. If it were me, Captain Star would have had a dent in the side of it from me kicking the door in, and then his race hauler would have had a dent in the side of it, and his motor coach would have had windows broken in it. So, you know, he should be grateful that all he got was a middle finger from from Chase Elliott. For sure. And, and Can I hire Lee from Virginia to go and desecrate any driver? I don't like freaking hauler and – and all kinds of things like that. I love that right there. I'm sorry. I just had to that was awesome. <laughs> Lee, Lee, Lee is passionate for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Lee. Real, real great, and we appreciate all being to the show when you call in. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I can certainly understand that, but I think the, the thing that what we haven't talked about today and, and that Lee touched on first that was tremendous was the race that Chase Briscoe had today in the Xfinity series. And if you're not sure in the background, I don't like to get too into people's personal lives. First of all, you know, what, what people do with their personal lives, I don't really, uh, to me, it, we all have skeletons in our closet. What happens is what happens, you know, and I try and focus strictly on what happens on the racetrack. But, you know, when something like this happens, you feel for a guy because you could see the emotion when he won the race today. And if you didn't know the backstory, uh, he and his wife were expecting and, they lost the baby, um, you know, a couple of days ago, and it was it's a rough time. Anybody who's ever been through that, and I, I've never been through that personally, uh, I'm sure it's a very, very heart-wrenching thing, and I can't even imagine. You know, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. That's how horrible it is. And, you know, he had a lot that on his mind mentally, and then he had to go out and not only run a race, but run a race without any practice at the track that is too tough to tame. Darlington Raceway. Oh, and by the way, hold off one of the best drivers in this generation in Kyle Busch. And he was able to do it. Uh, he was able to hold off Kyle Busch and get the victory um, in a very, very impressive uh, final restart there. You know, and they were leaning on each other pretty good. I thought Kyle for sure was going to lean on him too hard. They were leaning on each other pretty good there. And Chase did everything he had to do. I think his dirt racing background helped him. A very, very impressive win today, Philip Matthew, for Chase Briscoe and that 98 Ford, uh, and a guy who now, you talk, we talked about it just before the show a little bit, a guy whose future, you know, you, you kind of, everybody likes to do this. We're going, well, you know, silly season, and, and try and put puzzles, pieces in, in certain places. Um, and Chase Briscoe is certainly a guy I think a lot of people will put in that 14 car next year, get way ahead of ourselves before we do that. But he is certainly, over the last, I'd say, really from July of last season, through this year has taken a turn. You could just see it in the way he's performed. He's taken a huge turn 
uh, on how he drives these race cars, and, and he's much better. Uh, he got off to a sluggish start last year, but he's been much better this year. And and at the end of last year and, and, and the start of this year, he's been much better. And another solid win and a very, very impressive win for Chase Briscoe today. What were your thoughts on watching the Xfinity race today, Philip, from Darlington? Well, I mean, minus, I, I said this offline, minus my obvious bias, wearing a shirt that looked just like what Chase Briscoe looked like at the start-finish line, um, kneeling down and, and saying a prayer, um, minus the obvious bias there, that was a great last couple of laps. When you consider that Kyle Busch in an Xfinity car, there's only been one other guy that's kind of been like that. It's Mark Martin. And he's like 8,000 wins ahead of him. And Kyle Busch, of course, went and did what he did yesterday. And he wanted to win that race. He kind of got screwed at Phoenix a few months ago and lost to Bruckshot Jones. So he wants to win. He's trying to get to 100 wins or whatever and get out of the series. I mean, albeit, I think, between the TV people and the Xfinity series, they kind of want him to stay around. Uh, the fact that Chase Briscoe went out there with everything him and Marissa have had to deal with these last few days and the emotion that he went through, and he went and beat the, the greatest, in terms of wins, driver that's ever driven in that series, and he beat him heads up. And they had a similar finish in terms of the dooring each other, not the actual finish, but what, Kurt and Ricky Craven, Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven had, which they replayed eight million times. They were adoring each other. They were they were doing whatever they had to try to win this race. Chase Briscoe's running for a bigger purpose. He's trying to run for a career. He's trying to make sure that his hero, Tony Stewart, says, I have to put him in a cup car. He's running for the child that he was supposed to have with his wife. And they they lost that child. It's I don't I don't envy any of these other drivers that are in the Xfinity series. He didn't need motivation before this week to show up and run and win races. He said he had to win the eight races to keep a job. And people said he's crazy. He's not going to do it. The fact of the matter is. I don't, don't he, he doesn't mess around. He went and won an ARCA championship, and he won on every different type of racetrack, or virtually every different type of racetrack. He knows how to drive a race car. He can drive on any type of surface. Chase Briscoe is a thing. You have to respect his ability and talent. He is like Tony Stewart, and he's also like Terry Labonte. That's what I thought about. I'm like, what is he like? He's like Tony Stewart with his with some of the driving things, and he's Terry Labonte in terms of his patience and his ability to be quiet and sneak up on you and go and take it away from you. And that, to me, is somebody that's going to go and do something in this sport, hopefully in the years to come. But today, to go and win how he did, eating who he did, and taking a 19-point lead, in the championship early on. It's so meaningful on so many levels, way above mm-hmm. 
the win. Yeah, and I always say this, you know, um, it, it's a year where a lot of people felt it was sort of wide open the championship this year. Uh, and right now, Chase Briscoe looks like he might be separating himself from the pack. And when you go down the rest of the top, Ben Briscoe is your winner. Todd Bush finished second. A nice day for Justin Allgaier. Junior Motorsports, by the way, seemed like they really turned a corner here in 2020. They could be a factor here as the season goes on and as they get more used to the, this ritual. Uh, Allgaier ran good today. Gregson was up there for a while. Daniel Hemrick had a nice day today. Uh, even Michael Annette, before he had his issues, was a very strong car today. So Junior Motorsports seems like they're turning the corner here. But as you go down the list, you know, Austin Cedric fourth, Noah Gregson fifth, Daniel Hemrick sixth, Ryan Seek seventh, Ross Chastain eighth, ninth with Harrison Burton, and tenth Justin Haley. None of those top ten drivers right now look as ready to win a championship, at least here on in May in, in four or five races in the Xfinity Series season, uh, than Chase Briscoe. He, to me, is right now as far and away – uh, as a the championship favorite, um, I thought maybe we would see a little bit better performance today from Ross Chastain. Now, I know Ross finished the stage in second and really had an impressive first stage, but after that, that car never really was the same. I think they were fighting some handling characteristics throughout the day, uh, and he ended up eighth, which isn't a bad run. I'm not trying to sit there and say eighth is, you know, a terrible day. Oh, my gosh, you know, he needs to be fired. Not at all, but, you know, when you want to compete for a championship and you want to win races, you know, you have to do better than that. And, um, you know, maybe as this year goes on, that team will grow together and they'll get better and better and better. And maybe by the time we get to playoff times, uh, you know, Chastain will be up there competing for a championship. Maybe Justin Allgaier will be there. Uh, so there, there is some time. But to me, Spencer, uh, Briscoe is the guy. And, and uh, the favorite to win this championship as we sit here right now. Uh, what stood out to you, Spencer, from this race in the Xfinity Series at Darlington? Uh, what, what stood out to you? Yeah, I, I mean, Briscoe, um, he's really, you know, you you come into a weekend and you're like, man, he's going to have a good run. He's kind of, you know, if, you know, I would add him, I would go ahead and place him you know, if we're going to have another big three, I'd go ahead and place him in, uh, you know, one of those three. Um, the kid's good. He really is. I mean, what he had to do today, you know, finding out that he just lost his child and then have to climb into a race car and uh, sit there and wheel this thing around a tough racetrack and it's hot and it's grueling. And, um, and for him to go out and, you know, beat the best, one of the best that this sport has ever seen, whether you say all together this generation, Kyle Busch is a great. You know, he's 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 that good. And, you know, that makes it even more emotional for him to go out and, you know, he didn't lay over. You know, he, he took the high lane and, you know, floored it and came off the four or three, whatever you want to call it, and uh, edged Kyle Busch out. And, you know, he, he, he gave a message to Kyle Busch, said, no, I'm going to give you everything I got. And it stuck. You know, he didn't get into the wall, and it, he came out on top. And um, that's that's pretty incredible. He needed that for, you know, his family, for his wife. Um, for his team, and there's not a doubt in my mind that the name Chase Briscoe won't be on top of a window in the Cup Series, you know, whether it's next year or, or whenever. But uh, he will definitely be racing on Sundays when we're back to normal and racing on Sundays. And um, I mean, phenomenal race. Uh, I thought this whole weekend was exciting, and I enjoyed both races, and uh, I'm just glad racing's back. But 
heck of a run by him. And you mentioned Ross, you know, his car was tight all day. Um, I wish, you know, I was thinking he was going to do better the way he ran in the Ganassi machine when, when he had that battle with Harvick. But, um, yeah, I don't know. His season's just kind of, man, he hasn't really surprised me all year in that race car. And, you know, started off terrible at Daytona with a brake issue. And it's just kind of continued with to where they have they seem to have a little bit of problem. He gets into the wall, and, you know, you got to clean that up if he wants to be crowned a champion, um, you know, wherever it might be due to this corona thing. But, um, yeah, you got to clean that stuff up. But hell of a run by the 90, 98. Yeah, it was really good. And, you know, I, I can't wait for the next Xfinity Series race here coming up. And, and I want uh, to preview some of these races here coming up, guys, if we can. Um, I know there's a it's so up in the air because we just don't know really where teams are right now, but I kind of want to just talk about maybe the unprecedented amount of races we're going to be running here in the next couple of days. So um, if fans aren't aware exactly what's going on as far as next week is concerned. So Sunday is going to be, it's going to feel for the most part, like a normal Sunday Memorial day weekend. I mean, you're not going to be able, you're not going to see uh, the Monaco uh, Grand Prix or you're not going to see the Indianapolis 500, which is awful. Um, You know, but you're still going to see the Coca-Cola 600 in, on the NASCAR side of things. There's no practice, of course. They're going to qualify. Not sure uh, about the details behind that just yet. Um, but they're going to qualify. They're going to run all 400 laps, the four stages, 100 laps each for the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, then the Cup Series will run again on Wednesday at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Out school 500, 500 kilometers again, uh, 208 laps. It's really exciting. Uh, the Coca-Cola 600 and a half on Wednesday, an 8 o'clock start for that one. Uh, Coca-Cola 600, of course, starts at 6 o'clock. Um, so you got that race on Sunday and qualifying a few hours before that on Sunday. And then you have on Monday the NASCAR Xfinity Series event. Now, Xfinity Series is going to run what is going to be known as the ASCO 300 uh, on Monday. It's a 200-lap race, uh, May 25th, so that's Memorial Day. That race starts at 7.30 at night on Memorial Day. And then Tuesday, you have a Gander Outdoor and RV's Truck Series race. Uh, the first Truck Series race we've seen since uh, Las Vegas back in February 21st. So it's been over three months since the trucks have been on the racetrack. Thursday night race, May 26th, North Carolina Education Lottery 200 from Charlotte Motor Speed, 134-lap event. That's an 8 o'clock start for that race on Tuesday. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the cup race back again on Wednesday. So Sunday, Monday, four straight days of racing. Uh, and then, of course, we get to the, to the following week where you got more racing, and we'll preview that next week. But, you know, a lot of racing here in these, in these next couple of days. Um, Philip, how do you think this is going to impact uh, the cup teams? I mean, pretty quick turnaround for the cup series teams. We don't ever see them turn around a Wednesday race to a Sunday race. Now, I know it's Sunday night, so they get a little bit more time, but uh, we don't really see that. And then they got to turn around again after running 600 miles on Sunday, run another 300 on Sunday before they go and run again on the, on a following Sunday. So a lot of racing for these cup teams. Do you think, how do you think this is going to impact uh, what these teams do, if at all? Because, you know, we don't have practice. You really can't put what you learned into these race cars. They're probably already built some of them. You know, maybe we'll see it down the road, uh, what, what we learned from these races. But, what are your thoughts on, on what we're going to see here uh, in the next couple of weeks with, with the amount of races we're going to be running? I think, uh, Clay, I think the 600 is going to be an interesting 
experiment in terms of what we're going to go through, not only for going to Wednesday, but into the further races and what's going on with that. I It's because it's so long, longest race of the year, because of the different temperatures, because of the 550 rules package, it's going to be an R&D deal for some of these teams. And for some of them, they're going to hit it really good. And some of them are going to be really bad. And when you consider, if you miss the setup in the Coca-Cola 600, that's four hours of pain. And fundamentally, it's not only four hours of pain, but you're going to be showing up and running at night three days later. Uh, it could be a sign of what we're going to see in this next month uh, prior to, you know, we, we've got another month in terms of scheduled races. We don't know for sure what's going to happen. It kind of sounds like Pocono might happen. But, you know, there there's going to be other things in play after that. Indianapolis is going to be there. It's it, we we could see kind of a little shift here. We could see certain teams take off and gain some points and get some wins and make something happen. There's a possibility other teams could fall behind. Or, you know, maybe things balance out because of 600, because of how extreme the 600 is in general. But considering what we we're going through right now, the 600 could be a turning point for some organizations. And in general, in terms of all all the races, in terms of all the races, I mean, that's what's going to kind of end up happening for the circuit. Um, And as June comes along, all the other major racing series are going to start coming back. Uh, I mean, trucks haven't raced since forever. That's kind of what they're there for, but they're going to have to start picking off in this and we're going to see some different things. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. How about you, Spencer? What are your thoughts here about what you're going to see here in these next couple of days? I mean, a lot of teams doing a lot of work, a lot of racing going on. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I um, I think it's just going to be really hard on these smaller teams. Um, you know, that's a lot of preparation and a lot of go, go. I know Charlotte's closed, you know, not far from, you know, most of the race shops, but it's still, um, you know, hard for them. You know, sometimes these teams have hard times making it, you know, each week. And here we are racing, you know, four races in, you know, seems like a week. Um, so it's it's going to be hard for them. Um, you know, I think you're going to see – you know, there's no, you know, there's no practice. You know, you just get in the car and you go qualify, and that's where you start. So, you know, guys really aren't going to know what they got because you don't really know what you got in qualifying. Um, you need practice, and you know they're not going to have that. So, like Philip said, if you miss bad, you know, you're, you know, you're just along for the ride for four hours, and you're just there to sweat. Because, um, yeah. So that's it's you know it, that's really what it is. I mean, so you have to you know you have to make sure them boys at the shop you know, hooked you up with a good piece and you got some, you know, you got some power under the hood. So, um, if not, it's, it's going to be a long, bad night. Cause I've sat in the grandstands for that race last year. And, uh, I tell you, you never think the thing's ever going to get over with. So, uh, imagine what they're doing inside the race car. So, um, 
I, I mean, I was sitting there and I looked up and we're only halfway and I'm like, geez, seems like we should be done with this race. So, um, it's going to be fun. You know, I, you know, it sinks fans can't go, but at least we're racing. And, you know, um, you know, like I said, in the last show, good to NASCAR to get something rolling here. And, um, it's, uh, let's go racing. Yeah, for sure. I love the 600. It's it's a great weekend, and I love that whole weekend. This whole weekend coming up, it's such a staple in our in our auto racing industry. And it's a shame that you know we're only going to get one of the triple header that we normally get. Uh, but it makes you appreciate yeah. it a little bit more. There's no question about it. Um, you know, next year when that race comes around, and hopefully all this is behind us, uh, we'll certainly look back and go, man, I, I'm so glad everything's you know okay. Everybody's okay, and and we're going to go racing uh, and see all three. But the Coca Cola 600 on Sunday. Like I mentioned, guys, we're going to have four races in four days. So we'll be here on Thursday to to break it all down, to discuss all the races. We'll be here on Thursday. Uh, if we can break it down for you in, in a short amount of time, we will do that. And who knows what the storylines will be coming out of Charlotte uh, after we run all four races. But we want to thank you guys for listening and talking in circles tonight, and we'll see you next time here. Good night, everybody.